Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join Michael Fields for today's edition. Hey, welcome to the next edition of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. My name is George Brockler. This is Michael Fields. And uh, we are pleased today to be joined by Mr. Scott James, who's going to make us so much smarter on something huge going on right now. Talked about it a little bit on the radio, but it's an amazing development in terms of a legislature, I think, is in the throes of this is going to be our last chance to do something big when it comes to being pro-union. Michael? Yeah, so Commissioner, great for you to to join us on this. I think we all, you know, we've talked a little bit about this collective bargaining bill that's happening at the legislature. I know you wrote a uh, op-ed about it. You have gone to a press conference at the Capitol about it. And, you know, as a well county commissioner, would love to hear your thoughts about uh, why you think this is a bad idea, where we go from here. And so uh, if you could let the listeners know what they need to know, uh, that'd be really helpful. The problem that doesn't exist, a solution looking for a problem, per se, in the fact that uh, it's nothing more than a political payoff. I, I mean, we know that. Bottom line is, is employees have the right to collectively bargain with counties right now. As a matter of fact, we have four counties uh, statewide, uh, Pueblo, uh, Summit, uh, Adams, and, uh, and uh, Pitkin, who have the ability to, or who have engaged in collective bargaining with their, with their employees. So this is nothing more than a nod to the unions. Let's just be honest and call it exactly what it is. We're in an election year. We saw a, uh, an article in the Colorado Sun from about 10 months ago that simply said, hey, we don't believe, AFL-CIO said, we don't believe the Democrats have been a uh, authentic partner, I believe was the term that they used. And so they're looking for a more authentic partner. And subsequently, they said they would withhold their funding until May of 2022. Well, here we are at the at the end of April of 2022, when this was introduced, uh, when we record this very early May 2022. And of course, they are uh, uh, fulfilling now the promise their masters have, have called for their bidding. And uh, and it's it's coming to bear. So it simply is a, a solution that's looking for a problem and, and we don't need their solution. Our uh, amazing esteemed uh, director of uh, of uh, finance administration up here, Don Warden. Don is a gent that's been at the county finance. In fact, he's been working for us for 40 years. His career has spanned now 50 years. There's nobody brighter about this. He has guesstimated that it will cost Weld County about $30 million a year uh, from the standpoint of, of, of expense that we have to have. Approximately five FTE is what we would have to put on, inclusive of an attorney that's solely focused on, on labor relations for something that Weld County residents don't want. And you do the extrapolation on the math, Weld County kind of very typically runs being about 5% of the state's total. When you do math on on expenditures, Weld County is about 5% of the state. When you do the upwards math on that, about $600 million a year is what it would cost uh, uh, counties cumulatively and, and subsequently taxpayers. 
And this and this is taxpayer money, obviously. Uh, in Weld County, you talked about you know the impact for you all, but just thinking about that, even for you know we have a lot of small counties too, right? And they're going to have to to comply with this, to add people, to have experts on that. What kind of impact does that have on on other counties too? It'll wipe them out. Weld County is is lucky in the fact that thanks to oil and gas, one of the things they're trying to take a shot at right now. Well County has about a half a billion dollars in reserves. Frankly, Well County can weather the storm for a few years anyway. These small counties would wipe them out in the first shot. In the fact that the legislation mandates that they lay out the framework by which their counties can collectively bargain, or their employees rather. So their employees may not even choose to pursue collective bargaining, but they must have the framework in place. The framework, of course, in the forms of, uh, of labor attorneys, in the forms of, of HR staff. And, and some of my brother and out on the Eastern Plains and, and, and some of the smaller counties, you know, you talk to uh, somebody like uh, uh, Phillips County. Phillips County has a total of 47 employees. Uh, well County, by comparison, 1,857. Uh, 47 employees out in, in uh, uh, Phillips County. They would have to stand up an entire department to deal with labor relations that may never even take place. So the expenditure is up front and it's absolutely crippling for smaller counties. In your uh, op-ed, you talked kind of about the current relationship that you all have with your employees in Weld County and how this would kind of create an adversarial relationship that isn't there right now. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, County's unique. We're one of two home rule counties in the, in the state of Colorado. That means that we don't have a county administrator. In fact, our charter forbids it. Uh, folks like me, the five, the five county commissioners, actively involve ourselves in the day-to-day administration of county government. I work closely every day with dozens and certainly no hundreds of our 1,800 plus uh, county employees. And, and we have a great working relationship. It, we take care of our people. We regularly do salary surveys. We are regularly in the 80th percentile. You know, we go above and beyond the median on these uh, to pay our employees. We take care of them. We provide an on-site employee wellness clinic. We, we provide uh, an amazing wellness program. We provide uh, insurance, medical insurance, dental insurance, vision insurance. We take care of our folks because we realize their essential nature and I have not heard one, not a solitary person, say they would like this. I uh, and Commissioner James, thanks for joining us. I presume that the legislature wouldn't just all of a sudden attach a six hundred million dollar tax liability to the counties without providing the funding for it. I mean, they're not going to just do an unfunded mandate for six hundred million bucks. That's crazy. You uh, you you put up the softballs, George, and I'll knock them down. They did it. They absolutely did. They're not it. providing it's, any funding at all. Like here's how a, we subsidize this. Not a solitary dime. It is. It has the potential of being the largest unfunded mandate in county history. One of the things we stand together at CCI. CCI is Colorado Counties Incorporated. It is our our lobbying arm, arm our, our our organization that we get together in. One of the, the stalwarts of, of CCI is we fight against unfunded mandates. This has the potential of being the largest unfunded mandate in history from the state legislature. Uh, over the last few years, the state legislature has gotten real good at, at saying, counties, you shall, and not providing a dime to do so. So we've kind of picked up the slack uh, on, on behalf of the state. Uh, this one is, is a bridge too far. One of the amendments we may seek as it moves over to the House side is a, is a pot of money. If you're going to put this down, especially on the smaller counties who have to stand up those newly refurbished HR departments, we want some dough to be able to do so. 
one of the things that uh, Senator Moreno, that Majority Leader Moreno, in his introduction of the bill before the Senate uh, uh, committee, uh, one of the things he kept referring to was counties were, um, I wish they, it's arms of the state, but he kept saying counties are agents of the state, is, is what he said. Hmm. And it, to a certain extent, and from a statutory standpoint, yes, we enact the, the legislation that they, they pass we in especially in the Department of Human Services, where we have so many pass through programs. Yeah, we act as an agent of the state, but we are we are the original local government. Counties were counties before the state was the state. And, and we are the original local government and we function just fine without them. Thank you. When he kept referring to us as agents of the state, I just kind of found that wrong in the fact that if you want us to do your bidding, provide the money to do so. But other than that, we're a robust local government that has functioned well before the state became a state. Now, one of the things the legislature did within the last few years was to pass a law that allowed each individual county to decide how it wanted to treat things like gun ownership and uh, all that other stuff. I presume they've built into this law an opt-out clause for the counties. Softball again, sir. Uh, you, your, your presumption is wrong in, in, in the fact that, of course, they did. Uh, it would be it would be different if it was permissive. In fact, one of the things at CCI we've often fought for is, all right, if you want a piece of legislation that say mandates, no, uh, recycling, that's coming down right now as well, then make that permissive, make that an opt-in county by county. A, we have the ability to do that with collective bargaining now, and B, it's not in there. Of course not. It's because uh, the unions didn't want it that way, frankly. Third underhanded pitch to you, and that is, look, when this bill was being hatched, this idea, and they went out, all these progressive legislators, and sat down with the different stakeholders, what were the discussions they had with CCI, and didn't you raise all these issues with them? You know, they did very initially contact CCI, and they wanted to set up a a stakeholdering process uh, uh, that came from a majority leader, Eskar, that never came through. Uh, So there was a very early contact with, with CCI. But uh, pretty quickly, CCI got to an oppose. In fact, CCI did something that CCI has never done in the fact that we kept hearing the rumors of this legislation. And our biggest fear was it was going to get down to the end of the session and they were going to drop this major bomb on us. So we proactively took a position on a piece of legislation that did not yet exist. That's something we've never done before. We usually wait for the legislation to drop before we take a, a position on it. We proactively said no because we had seen the drafts. Uh, imagine it did drop a uh, late session. They just simply didn't want to have a conversation with us because they knew that CCI would come down where it came down. They instead go, went with an organization called CCAT. CCAT is a com- counties and commissioners acting together. It is uh, uh, 11 complete counties and then some uh, individual commissioners thrown in there. There is representation, I believe, from 20 counties, but 11 complete counties are, are members there. Uh, of their 15-member board of directors, there are 13 Democrats, one Republican, and uh, one Independent that, that comprise their board of directors. So I don't think that Majority Leader Eskar was looking for stakeholdering. She was looking for an echo chamber, and she found one in CCAT. When we, um, we, ahead, when we first started this uh, discussion early in session, you know, this was a bill in the draft that had schools in it. It had municipalities in it. It had counties. It had higher ed. All of those other uh, entities have gotten dropped off and, and you know, basically have been left with, with counties. Why do you think that counties have been singled out in this bill? Because in the very beginning, I think that uh, I think that CCI did kind of we, we struggled with taking a position. I think that CML, I think that higher ed, I think that K through 12 were very active, very proactive, very fast 
and saying that we don't want to be a part of this. Now, here's speculation on my part, but allow me to, to speculate for a little bit. Uh, the county took perhaps stronger positions than it's ever taken before this year on, on a couple of pieces of, of DHS legislation. We were very actively opposed, uh, and we got even into a support position. But uh, the BHA, the New Behavioral Health Administration, massive new department that was was stood up. Uh, we had we struggled with that a little bit, and then with the new, uh, it was uh, House Bill twelve ninety five, the Colorado Department of, of Early Childhood. That was another massive new department that was stood up that that arms swept some permanency programs from uh, the CDHS, from the Colorado Department of Human Services, into this new program. And these permanency programs are programs that we use just right down the road at, at Well County DHS every day to help families when they're in a time of need, to help give them a, a leg up, so to speak, to, to, just to help families achieve permanency in, in difficult situations. And I, I heard a conversation at the very beginning of that that was called blending and braiding. They blended and braided finance. Uh, which means that, well, the programs that we've come to, to rely on to help people in our Department of Human Services are now being swept into the CDEC, uh, which is so our good governor can keep a, a campaign promise. We were very vocal about that. We wanted a governance committee. Uh, right now, you have uh, one person that has the authority to control millions of dollars there. We asked for a true governance, a type A governance board to be put in there. We didn't get one. We were very vocal against it. I think that this is retribution to be, if you just ask me a gut instinct, I, I think there's a little bit of, oh, we'll show counties. And they are with, with this piece of legislation. I presume this legislation, though, because there's nothing emergency-ish about it. There's no like emergency clause where it takes effect immediately. We'd have the ability to come back to maybe to the voters and get them to intercede and tell the, the legislature they're wrong. <laughs> well, I would like that to be in there. But, uh, sir, once again, it, it, it is not. It's, huh? And don't you don't you think that uh, in the true sense of Tabor, because we we could look at a massive I don't know, fee due increase, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever it might be, we're we're looking at a massive increase here. I I think the voters should have a say so on that, but that's not a, a part of this legislation. Instead, it's just monies that the counties are going to have to to struggle and 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 try to find if indeed it it does pass. Well, speaking of Tabor too. Uh, there is a provision in there that says uh, that the state can't create unfunded mandates on, on other uh, local governments. It's never been tested legally, which I would be curious. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, the courts turn turn out on, on Tabor most of the time, but it is there uh, for this very reason of saying the state can't just can't go tell other government entities what to do, not provide the funding uh, and make them do that. I guess my one of the questions that I have is as it moves over to the House, and you talked about maybe, you know, an amendment adding some money in. Uh, do you think that ends up passing? Are there other changes that could happen before this ends up uh, getting signed by the governor? There are so many things that could happen. We, we came out uh, in, in uh, Friday night. Uh, Senators uh, Kirk Meyer and Lundeen were very helpful in getting four amendments passed that, were, were, that will be helpful for, for, for counties. It, uh, took a, a, uh, it took a stinking steamy bill and turned it into a less stinking steamy bill. Uh, there are a couple of things in there that could be for county, good for counties. When it goes over to the House side, you have uh, what you see is a chamber there that uh, is not as in jeopardy of changing hands as what it is on the Senate side. But you see a chamber there that has extremes on, on both sides, far more so than, in my opinion, what the, what the Senate does. You could see all of those positive amendments stripped out of there. You could see some more amendments hung on. 
Uh, it's really going to be interesting when it gets to the House side. We know at CCI what we're going to ask for. We're going to ask for a pot of money. We're going to ask for opt-in clauses. Uh, we are going to ask for a hard no-strike provision. In Colorado Winds, which is often talked about as something that they wanted to, to hold as a gold standard for when it came to unionizing a, 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 private, or a public sector employee, in Colorado Winds, we take a look at the firefighters who have a true no-strike provision. We simply asked, when it came through the Senate, to have that same uh, language put into, uh, into this, this particular piece of legislation to where there was a true no-strike provision for employees that we seemed, deemed essential. Uh, snowplow drivers, drivers uh, deputy sheriffs, uh, child welfare workers, and uh, we didn't have any such luck. We'll what? again pursue that kind of, I know, we'll again pursue that uh, amendment on the House side. Uh, there's a couple of things that we'll be asking our representatives on the House side to introduce for us. Uh, we'll see if it gets through. Have you heard anything from the governor's office, a guy who wants to be reelected this year, looking more like a moderate than like something else? Have you heard anything to suggest that he might step in here and say, yeah, listen, no. Uh, a little bit here and there. I, I, he was pretty, he was very firm on it, looking like the Colorado wins model. I, I have not heard anything out of the governor's office lately on what he thinks of the legislation as introduced on what he thinks of the legislation as, as amended out of the Senate. Uh, we, we don't know where uh, Governor Polis might come down. Here's what I do know. I've seen the polling on this. And uh, what Coloradans overwhelmingly say is, A, you want our employee, the public sector employee, you want our employee to be able to unionize and therefore raise our expense? No. Not only no, but hell no. And, and they, I also see a lot of uh, uh, research that shows we're not the East Coast. We don't need those kind of... of of thug style unions here. People are very aware that the only remaining sector that is growing in unionization is, is the, is the public sector, which geez, you create that circle of life. That is uh, uh, we take taxpayer moderate money and we funnel it over to unions and unions that write to check to Democrats. And it just kind of yep. goes around and around in a circle. Uh, people are very well, uh, uh, very aware of that. And this, this polls very negatively in the state of Colorado, I'm, I'm, I'm a fighter and I like to try to make a point, but part of me wants to go into the House side when it's time to testify and say, you know what, hey, uh, reps, I've seen the polling on this, vote for it. If you were telling Jane or Joe Q voter, look, this is the reason you care about this bill. This is why, I mean, if it doesn't feel like they're like unions, government, I get, what is the bottom line for your constituents about why they should care about this? Uh, somewhere tonight in the middle of the night, a deputy sheriff will get a phone call uh, that says there is a suspicious disturbance at X, Y, and Z address here in Weld County. Go out and look into it. Will that deputy sheriff be as willing to do that kind of work when it comes to a, 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 that person being a union employee? Deputy sheriffs are a little bit different. Let me give you another example. Remember here a couple of years ago, we had a bomb cyclone. How yep. many of our snowplow drivers out on remote Well County roads were getting out of their snowplows and helping pull stranded motorists out of the roadway? We have tons of examples of that. Their contract will say they won't have to do that kind of thing. Therefore, will they? I, I think, and, and of course, then there's just the money. Your, your government services will, not be, will, will no longer be as efficient and will cost more money. Bottom line is, this is just got to be more money to you. From a county commissioner standpoint, and even from a... Uh, just from a guy on the, the street stand, standpoint, 
It'll cost you more money for services. It will put the board of county commissioners at, at odds. Right now, we have a very friendly relationship with our employees. It will put us in an adversarial relationship. And not only will the board of county commissioners be in an adversarial relationship with our employees, employees will be in an adversarial relationship with one another because some people may not want this at all. We have a typical Well County employee out there that's zooming along and doing a great job. They're probably fine and happy as a clam. But if you have somebody that's on the bubble, boy, I got a bad performance review. This is, I, I, I've got a gut instinct that it might not be good for me. Let's call that union. All of a sudden that union comes galloping in and trust me, they're going to be there whether they're called or not. And all right. of a sudden our employees are in an adversarial relationship with one another. It's just not a good thing. Scary stuff. Michael, anything else? No, I just want to, to thank you for all the work that you're doing in Weld County. This is one issue, but you're dealing with so many of them. We'd love to have you back on in the future uh, to talk about the important work that, that county commissioners, local government officials do for our state. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. My pleasure. Let's talk oil and gas sometime too. Love to do it. Love to do it. Thank you, Commissioner. Thanks, guys. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, uh, go to your local podcasting platform. The one that I use is Google. Apple. Spotify. Stitcher and all the millions of others out there download it subscribe to it share it with your listener base with your friends with your family and let's get this thing going you've been listening to the advanced Colorado rundown brought to you by advanced Colorado the conservative thought leader driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues find them at advancedcolorado.org.